You're listening to the LaunchCast, your favorite podcast on the planet, brought to you by Launchpad 516 Studios with me, your host, George Andriopoulos. We're talking leadership, business, life, and growth right now as the countdown starts. It's like food for your ears. At this time, I'm going to ask that you fasten your seatbelts. Launch sequence. Launch sequence activated. Launch sequence activated. Five. Four, three, two, one. Woo! Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to the LaunchCast. We are 20 seasons, 20 seasons, 20 episodes into season three. This is how long I've been doing this. I'm all confused here. Episode 320 today. It's another LaunchCast leadership profile. This one's called Leadership Through Conscious Communication, a fitting title, and you'll find out why. But some business. First, it's the Launch Dad himself, George Andriopoulos, bringing you your favorite podcast on the planet. Leadership, business, life, growth, right now as the beat drops. Into the black what is happening, everybody? Another episode of the LaunchCast. We are back and we are excited for another interview. We've been doing a lot of interviews this season, so uh, it's kind of cool to uh, 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 to not do some of our soapbox episodes as often um just talk to leaders talk to leaders about uh you know what makes them tick the journeys along the way we all know that this is the show about unconventional journeys to leadership uh and our guest today which i'm going to bring on in a minute after we do some business here our guest today is no exception really really interesting journey um First, thank you guys for continuing to join us. Uh, reminder from Launchpad 516 Studios, the company that makes this whole thing possible, the production company uh, behind Launchpad 5, behind the LaunchCast, behind Sounds Like Autism, behind uh, uh, the Spreading Happiness podcast. Uh, all of them embrace it uh, <coughs> over my dad podcast. Now, I'm, I'm forgetting all of them, but um, just a reminder that we have a couple of new shows that are going to be debuting in the coming month. We are so excited about it, so keep your eyes peeled on this channel. Um, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, check out the Launchpad 516 Studios channel where all of our shows are housed. So without further ado, I'm going to do the bio, and I'm, I'm going to bring our guest on. Our guest today, Jem Fuller. Jem Fuller has lived a colorful global life from barefoot backpacker to corporate leader, fire dancer, traditional tattooist, kindergarten teacher, motorcycle courier, masseuse, reflexology to laborer and travel consultant. Now his time is as a partner and father, coach, facilitator, and retreat leader. He is the author of the recently published book, The Art of Conscious Communication for Thoughtful Men, and can be seen delivering his TEDx on YouTube. We're going to get into that. Let me bring him on screen, unmute you, and there he is. Hey, Jem. Nice to see you, buddy. George. Hey, man. How are you? <laughs> Doing good, buddy. Doing good. Thanks for joining us today. I'm going to dive right in. Uh, uh, the LaunchCast Leadership Profiles, they're a, a different type of episode uh, that we just started 
uh, well, this week, the first ones, uh, the first one launched on Apple podcast with 319 uh, with Dr. Danny Brissell, a um, little bit shorter, a little bit more focused on the leadership itself rather than the journey, but we're going to touch on all of it. So I'm going to start with the question that we always start with, Jem, are you a leader? Uh, yeah, apparently. <laughs> apparently. <laughs> It's, it's interesting, man. You, you know, you ask that question and um, and please keep me on track, by the way. I can sometimes get a bit passionate and excited and talk about things. But um, yeah, look, I, and, and especially these days, uh, I'm finding in the space of, of working uh, with men and helping the brand, when I say the brand of men, I mean the, the people, the people behind it and the cultural stereotype of what that is and helping us evolve that because I think it's an important piece of work. And I'm finding that um, people are looking to me as a leader in in vulnerability, a leader in um, authenticity and, and being alternative. You know, I, I didn't have the, the standard path to, to doing what I do now as an executive coach. Um, but I think it's really important to, um, yeah, to embrace all of that and to, to lead the way, to, to be open and to share some of the stuff that men usually keep to themselves. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of that. So, yes, I, I reckon I'm a leader. Yeah, so so I find that so interesting, and and maybe we'll touch on the book a little bit before I ask the the rest of the question. So, the art of conscious communication for thoughtful men. Um, in your definition of leadership, just now you talked a lot about um, uh, uh, being a thoughtful man. Um, this is something that really has been at the forefront of a lot of conversations that I've been having the last few years. I I, I tend to um, surround myself by like minded people. Um, and people that are uh, of different mindsets, just to keep it uh, uh, to keep it interesting and, and to make sure that I'm evolving as a person. Um, but I know that in today's times, um, being thoughtful as a man, being a a real man, and that's not the definition that it used to be, is so important for for us as men. So talk about that a little bit. Talk about what kind of sparked um, this book for you and what the ideology is behind that. Yeah, sure. Uh, look, I mean, the, the book initially I started writing about communication. It's it's such an important and quite often overlooked facet of, of us as a as a species. You know, without communication, we couldn't have even evolved off the Savannah Plains. You know, we weren't the fastest, fiercest creatures there. You know, we needed to figure out how to socialize and work together in, in communities. And communication is an, an essential part of that. And, and watching the world, you know, at the moment too, George, you would have seen people shouting at each other, you know, across these digital divides of difference, um, you know, people identifying with their politic or, or their beliefs to the point of um, the communication just deteriorating, you know, people cancel culture and, and all this kind of stuff. And it's upsetting because we need to work together to solve the bigger problems. So that's the communication piece. I started writing the book just generally about that. And then a book writing mentor of mine said to me, Jem, you need to pick an audience you need to write for someone a bit more specifically it's too broad and uh, I'm also really passionate about you know evolving helping men evolve and and become um, you know the next iteration of 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 what we are the old the old stereotype of suck it up man up don't cry like a girl uh, just get the result put on a brave face don't express your emotions vulnerability is a weakness all that kind of stuff is outdated and not relevant. We really need to be stepping up and, you know, the world's changing where the post-industrial revolution is gone. Uh, we need to be more human centric. We need to be leading our, our organizations, our communities uh, with more heart, uh, more sensibility. 
So anyway, that's so I started writing it for men. That's where the that's how the book started to take shape, and you know, and it's now really starting to get some traction, and and I'm getting emails and reach outs from men and women who've read the book and are thanking me for it and, and saying it's really giving them some tools to to change the way they they lead in their own lives, which is good. Yeah, yeah, that's incredible. Um, I, I want to dive just a little bit further into that. So uh, I know in your bio here, it says that you are now a, a partner and a father. Um, talk to me about the shift in terms of your, I guess, mindset behind what, what it is to be a man uh, and how that changed when you became a father yeah yeah i look for me one of the biggest pieces about this this boy to man journey and and it's very individual for for anybody on this journey uh, but one of the pieces of it really is about responsibility and stepping into responsibility you know and whatever that looks like for you that was a that was a big piece of it for me but you know we're always evolving in into this this journey as well you know and and so when you're a father all of a sudden um or or a parent any parent um you know all of a sudden there's these little people (laughs) that need you and can't survive without you putting food on the table and shelter over their heads and you know keeping them warm in winter and you know all the basics so that it that was really a wake up but that was only part of the journey for me you know my oldest um child he's not a child anymore he turned 18 last week you know and so it's it's been a while and and for me figuring out what it is to be a man you know and I'm quote unquote a man um is is still happening you know I'm I'm still figuring it out now I've been sitting in men's circle for over 10 years now and uh, there's a bunch of us that sit around a fire once a month and we pick a theme, a meaningful theme, and we talk about our experience of that, what it's like for us. Um, you know, so just exploring it, it's a it's a journey, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, and and I love that you say that you're kind of still figuring it out, right? And, and I think that's probably the one trait that every thoughtful man out there should make sure is a part of their mindset, um, that there's no finite end to this thing, right? It's just, you have to keep evolving if you're, going to be a man because look at at a certain point in time right we think a long long time ago you know the hunter gatherers that were 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 bringing food for their family i mean they had to be that person and then the the world sort of evolved but you know some people were still that person and and they kind of had to evolve into this mindset well things are different now people can do different things let me evolve into a different iteration of what a man should be and that's I, I love that you, you you talk about that because if, if I could give one piece of advice to anybody, it's to to never think that you've sort of figured it out, right? We, we talk about here on the show uh, something I like to call the balance phenomenon, um, something that for me in, in my leadership journey that when I kind of realized that it's never going to be perfect, when I kind of realized that the whole point to – achieving balance is the fact that you're going to be unbalanced once in a while and that you have to sort of skew back to the other side to, to rebalance things. That's when it was, that's when I was sort of at peace with, you know, being a, a father, a leader, a husband, um, to know that, Hey, I can make these mistakes. I'm never going to have it figured all out. But as long as I am conscious of where I'm at today, right now in this very moment, and I can sort of level it back out, then I'm doing my job. As a man, so yeah, I, I love that that mindset, Jim. Huge. Um, so, 
uh, I talked in your bio a little bit about uh, uh, your journey, which which I've read a little bit more deeper on um, uh, when I saw your profile when we we got matched up as as host and guest here. Uh, Talk about your your journey and how did you go from from barefoot backpacker to corporate leader? Yeah, it wasn't overnight, but um, but when I did when I did put on the the suit and tie, um, my friends were shaking their heads, looking at me, going, "What are you doing?" Um, yeah, no, look, it was it was just an accidental, you know, um, happening of of me uh, initially when I was younger and when I finished high school. I was very anti-establishment, you know. I I didn't want to, I didn't want to play the game, man. I I finished high school and I took off and just you know got as far away from where I grew up as possible, moved to the other side of the world, and um and fell in love with travel. Essentially, fell in love with with cross-cultural connection. You know, I've, with the benefit of hindsight now, I, I can look back and and understand that this this internal drive that I had to really travel and live and immerse myself into very foreign cultures um, was, was coming from this place of wanting to connect with humans that were really different to me. I didn't really understand that at the time, but that's what it was. And so that just had me, you know, traveling all around the world. I didn't want to do the normal thing. I didn't want to go to university and get a job and, um, and, you know, put on a, a suit, and uh, and try and earn as much money as possible, and have the white picket fence, and do that standard thing. That that whole thing, really, I just had to get away from. So that had me doing all sorts of different things, man. And you know, one thing leads to another, right? You know, I I went from being a punk, squatting in abandoned buildings in London, you know, and um and then and then the barefoot backpacking thing. I just had my mid my first my first identity crisis when it all kind of fell apart in my late twenties and I ended up in India just wandering around trying to find myself, and um and there I was all the time <laughs> right there with myself but re-identifying and you know I was a full hippie man I had long dreadlocks and a long beard and I wanted to live very simply I wanted to I wanted to disappear into the fabric of the culture and so I did that you know the just by dressing very very simply and appearing to be poor and uh, not wearing any shoes and and living outdoors I was cooking off a fire I had my pots and pans and I was living rough um, and I successfully disappeared into the fabric of their culture that they the, the beggars stopped begging from me and you know the hawkers stopped trying to sell stuff to me and I just kind of disappeared which was great that's what I wanted to do uh, and then you know I, over the time it was when I became a dad uh, when I first became a father and I was like, wow, I've got to find a way to support these kids. And I didn't know what to do. So I got a job with a travel company, international travel company, um, as a travel consultant and hence the the shirt and, and tie. And I had quite a successful chapter with them and I ended up in senior leadership, corporate leadership with 150 staff and lots of zeros behind the numbers that I was trying to push and grow every month and the pro- the, the, the pressure to grow that net profit, you know, quarter on quarter. And so, hence the the corporate chapter. Yeah, um, I, I guess I, I guess what I'm wondering is uh, uh, when I hear all these different chapters or chapters of your life, uh, you know, uh, barefoot backpacker, fire dancer, traditional tattooist. Um, I guess my question is, what was it um, about cultures that were different that that drew you uh, to getting immersed in them? Yeah, it's a really good question, man. I, you know, sure, there's the the drive to connect, 
um, which is a very human drive. We all have a drive to connect in some way, shape or form. For me, the thing about difference, um, why was I why was I driven to, to something alternative, something different? I don't know. Maybe you can tell me, man. Can you can you analyze me? What do you reckon? <laughs> I, <laughs> you know, I, I'll say for myself, um, I, we all go on on completely different journeys. But when we can kind of look back introspectively and and look at like the similarities between the journeys, although the journeys were totally different, um, you know, for me, I remember I went through a whole, and I talk about this a lot on my show. Um, I went through a whole transformation, you know, between my late teens and and early thirties where I went from, you know, eager kid looking for success and didn't kind of thought he knew what he wanted, but didn't really know. And, um, set myself into a career that was okay and, and didn't really excite me too much. But during that time, the, the individual George for me was always changing and evolving. And I, and I kind of did this thing where I, because I didn't know, who I was, it was more of an emulation thing. I'm a huge TV and movie buff, right? Uh, more of a historian in it now. Um, I'm seeing in, in my later years now, but um, I, I would look at these characters and, and go like, oh, that's, I wanna be that. I wanna, you know, I wanna emulate that. And so it was always taking on these personas for me. Um, and then, you know, as I kind of got older and, and, and uh, a little more educated, little wiser made some some mistakes that led me to certain points in my life you know you look at uh, you look at things at a more spiritual level a little little more metaphysical and you're like what 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 can i do here to kind of lift myself to to get to this next place that i don't know in my head what that next place is and and you immerse yourself in it and you see if it works right so i think it i think of it more as like a trial and error thing sometimes you know something excites you you look at it and you go yeah, let me let me give that a shot. You know, these people have been successful in it. Why not? You know, um, yeah, yeah, with, absolutely. With, with cultures, I see, uh, and and I've seen on your website pictures of, of your tattoo. So we have we have that in common. It seems like you um, have a proclivity towards tribal tattoos. I'm not sure what what culture they're from, but talk talk about that a little bit because I have sort of that same uh, <laughs> thing going on with me. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, I can I can talk to that in a sec. You know, as we're analysing and and looking a little bit deeper into why why have we you know lived the lives that we've lived, there's the other element which plays into this this story as well, which is for me is the father son relationship, and my relationship with my father and rebelling and not wanting to be him. You know, and that was quite deep. And love, I love my father. He's not around anymore. He, um, he, he died. Maybe must be twelve years ago now. Um, and I love him and adore him. But at the same time, as a kid, I just did not want to be him. Yeah, I had a pretty strained relationship with him. And um, so I look back now with the benefit of hindsight. You know, retrospectively analyzing why I did a lot of what I did. And I think that that was it. It was, it was a big reaction to my relationship with my father, which I've heard speaking to other, other men. That's, you know, quite often there's a theme there that that father son relationship and then flipping it now for me as a dad with my two boys and, you know, curious as to how they're turning out. And we just, we try our best, right? We're only trying our best. And, and my dad was trying his best too. Um, but, you know, as little people growing up, we experience things and, and there's inevitable trauma, right? 
Absolutely. One way, one way or another, there's going to be stuff that's traumatic for the kid. So I think that played into it as well. The tribal tattoos, man, that's that was just, um, you know, it was a design, as much an aesthetic for me. I love the, I just love the aesthetic of of tribal art, and uh, and also, you know, having spent most of my twenties and early thirties living in in tribal cultures, you know, immersing myself into cultures. Um, I think that's where it came from. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, uh, uh, the, the cultures and the stories behind them are, have always fascinated me. I I'm, I've been into tribal, uh, tattoos, specifically Polynesian for, for so many years. I, and funny enough, as a late teenager, I remember, um, you know, hearing the story of, of, uh, I was a big fan of the rock, right. The wrestler. Um, and then when he started getting the, you know, the, the, the stuff all over him, the Polynesian tattoos, I remember, not only thinking that was cool, but like looking into the culture. And I really became a student of Polynesian culture after that and was fascinated. And it had nothing to do with, with Dwayne Johnson anymore. It was, it was more like, wow, like I love the mindset behind these. I love the story behind them, how rich they are in culture. Uh, yeah. And I, I started getting, you know, I, I got a, a, a leg sleeve. I, I started getting something on my arm here. And then I remember um, I, I'm, divorced and, and remarried since. I remember uh, when my wife and I, my now wife and I were talking about our honeymoon when we got married a few years ago, I was like, we have to go to Hawaii. We have to go to Hawaii. We have to hit up a few islands. I need to get tattooed on the island, you know? Um, and uh, I, I organized this whole thing where I had a cover up done um, at one place and then we went to a different island and I had, although I have some really nice Polynesian ink, solo stuff i had some old like 90s tribal you know bullshit right that means nothing um and i had i i had spoken to this tattooist um on maui and and we worked together for months to kind of rework my existing tattoo and i remember going there and sitting for like 14 hours straight with this guy and just leaving there with this big feeling of relief that this thing that i had on myself for so many years that really meant nothing now meant so much to me, you know, because it had been through a journey. It kind of represented these mistakes I made, you know, when I was younger and, and he helped me sort of tell a new story over it and, and whatever. So yeah, I, I, I love the story behind uh, these tattoos and uh, uh, yeah, that's, definitely that, not. I think you've actually spoken to, um, you know, what it is that about tattoos that I love as well, you know, and the way that I tattoo is by hand, no machine, you know, old school kind of dot, 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 dot tribal tattooing and uh, and it's because it's about the process it's about the story it's about the journey it's about the ritual yeah. you know it's it's not about for me I, I started after years of traveling around the world and tattooing people as i traveled that was my means of of getting by around the world and then coming home and i ended up getting a job in a studio and and i started learning the gun the, the tattoo gun and um you know and then people would come in off the street and say i want number 23 off the wall and they want the heart with the arrow through it kind of thing. And I started to go, no, <laughs> no, this is not what I love about this beautiful ancient ritual and, and art form that we've been doing as a process with each other, you know, for, for tens of thousands of years. So, yeah, it's like you said, man, it's the story, you know, it's the, it's the journey and the ritual and the process that's the meaningful part behind it. Yeah, yeah, that's huge. That's huge. And now a word from our sponsors. Well, that's a nice song. 
Hey, hey, everybody. It's me, the launch dad himself, George Andriopoulos, the host of the LaunchCast, the co-host of Over My Dad Podcast. But more importantly, I'm here today on behalf of Launchpad 516 Studios, the podcast production company that makes those two shows, the one you're listening to now, and so many others possible. Now, what is Launchpad 516 Studios? Well, it's the brainchild of Launchpad 516 It's a podcast production company, and we help you from conceptualization to production to recording to post-production to monetization. The key word here, let's turn that hobby, that idea into a revenue stream. But more importantly, let's get that important idea out there and get your voice heard because that's what matters right now. Hit us up, launchpad516studios.com to find out more information. Or send us an email, podcast at lp516.com. DM me at Launchpad CEO on all the platforms. Let's chat. Let's get your voice heard. We're pretty good at this, guys. Don't let this offer slip by you. Later, guys. Beep, beep, beep. We are interrupting this show to tell you about our podcast with a very special announcement. Hey folks, I hope you're enjoying your podcast, which you're listening to right now. But I would like to tell you about another one. We are Sounds Like Autism. Produced by Launchpad 516 Studios. Which is full of impactful programming. It's the podcast that celebrates neurodiversity by speaking to the people who are helping to create a more inclusive world. I am Dave Thompson. I am an educator and an innovator and a leader within the space of helping the world become a more inclusive place for neurodivergent people as a neurodivergent self-advocate myself. And my co-host, Josh Mursky, is an incredible, hardworking, big picture dude who is on the autism spectrum and super stoked to spread his message of inclusion along with me. We've had folks on from all over, all walks of life, all over the country, and more. You don't need to be someone who is autistic yourself or have skin in the game. You don't need a family member or a neighbor who is autistic. You probably have one, but you don't need any of that to get stoked on neurodiversity and inclusion. We're confident that if you give us a shot, if you join us on our journey, that you'll be a lifer and you'll be fully invested in this mission. We are just so delighted and honored to have this kind of platform to share with you all what we do check us out i hope you enjoy your current podcast and then after that skedaddle and come right over here to sounds like autism and check us out now back to the show you're listening to the launch cast produced by launchpad 516 studios with me your host the launch dad himself george andriopoulos i want to talk about mindfulness for a minute before we we move on i want to talk a little bit more about the book after that and then we'll we'll start wrapping up with the big three um talk to me about mindfulness and your beliefs uh, around mindfulness Man, mindfulness for me is just one of the primary components um, for the foundation that I've built to navigate my way through life at the moment now. So mindfulness quite in in its purest form is essentially just an attention to the present moment. Yeah. And with as little judgment as possible, we're always going to have some judgment in any given moment. With as little attachment as possible, we're always going to be attached to some degree but really just an attention to the present moment. And I like to simplify mindfulness into integrated mindfulness and dedicated mindfulness. So integrated is the practice of mindfulness integrated into doing something that you're ordinarily doing anyway. So you can practice mindfulness while you're listening to someone. 
you can practice mindfulness while you're sipping a glass of water or brushing your teeth or driving your car or playing sport, whatever it is that you're doing. And by the way, as you practice mindfulness in any of these things, it enhances the experience of that thing for you. It also improves your ability in that moment. So that's integrated. And then dedicated mindfulness is, yeah, just quite literally dedicating some time to sit. We call it meditation. Um, and, and just to sit and notice what you can notice in the present moment. But what I'm finding now after, um, you know, a, creating a habitual practice of mindfulness meditation, I sit every morning before I start my day, I meditate for 20 to 30 minutes. Uh, and I also have created habits around integrating mindfulness into certain parts of my, my waking hours is that you can, you, you can dissolve or, or dissolute any physiological experience that you previously would have been caught in. So just say you've, you're experiencing an emotion um, and then that emotion runs its natural course. You were angry and it served its purpose, but you're still angry. You're still stuck in anger and you're identified with and, and kind of caught in this anger, the emotion, neural emotion looping, right? So you're, you're thinking a thing and it's making you angry and that's making you think that thing even more and you're kind of stuck. The ability to go into a place of observation and just notice what you can notice means that it, you kind of remove yourself from being stuck and it dissolves super quickly. So you can be the driver of your own physio physiological bus, right? You can go from angry to calm like that. You can go from frustrated to peaceful super quickly from sad so you can return to your place of equanimity which is your calm centeredness within seconds mm. and that to me is a bit of a superpower to be able to do that especially for leaders you know to bring it into the conversation of leadership and i'm coaching my my c-suite and executive leaders to be able to return to their place of calm centeredness this is where they make their best decisions this is where they listen most effectively this is where they lead most effectively from, from this place. And you can get better at, at, at returning to that place, you know, with your own will. Talk, talk for a minute about um, a little bit more about meditation and advice that you would give somebody that's not aware of the importance of meditation, especially in the practice of mindfulness. Um, I'll tell, tell a quick story. Um, Meditation was never really my thing. It's something that I, it's been on my radar for, for a number of years, um, specifically at Transcendental Meditation. I've, I've been reading about it and wanted to try it uh, for a number of years now. <clears throat> but way back, um, and I'll preface this by saying that one of the things I always work on uh, about myself is not being judgmental. Um, because I, I tend, or I used to tend to be a, a judgmental person, and and I really try and always think first, like stop judging, just do the thing, right? Um, and so way back, I was very judgmental of that kind of stuff. You know, to me, it was woo woo bullshit. Like, you know, it didn't make sense. I don't need that or whatever. Um, and I I had an experience, and I've talked about this before. I've had an experience where um, uh, in my first TEDx Farmingdale that I was organizing in 2019. Um, had a lot of stuff going on, uh, putting together this massive event, 24 talks on stage, 26 speakers, um, just so much to juggle. Work was busy running my company. Um, and then I had some stuff going on with my family, uh, some health stuff, a couple of health scares, and I was just kind of rocked. And one of our speakers 
uh, TEDx Farmingdale, Scott Schmarin, the world famous Scott Schmarin, who's been on Oprah and the Howard Stern show, um, reached out to me because he kind of sensed something in me. Um, and, you know, I was trying to keep it private and said, no, 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 I'm okay, I'm okay. And he goes, look, if you need some help, here are a couple of recordings. Um, I think they'll be able to help you. And anyway, I did these recordings, and it was the first time that I had gone, you could call it hypnotized, but it was really just a meditative state. Um, and it was so transformative for me in that moment where I was kind of like, not only did it was it tremendously helpful in that moment, to sort of further my ability to be mindful in, in, in the moment and kind of take away some of the baggage. But I realized that that meditative state, that hypnotic state, whatever that is, that's a state that I've been in other times and didn't know that I was in. That was kind of very eye-opening for me. Like, And I'll tell people out there that have never meditated before, and I, this can be, I'm sure, different for everybody. You can speak on this better, but... Um, if you ever if you've ever just zoned out you're staring out into nothing and you kind of zone out and you just kind of in that moment you're zoned out kind of double vision you're you're super relaxed and just you're there but you're not that's that's a meditative state at least for me that that's what it is and i was like oh shit this is what it is this is easy you know <laughs> so but it was huge for me because i already being you know mindfulness mindful thought had been on my radar, something I had been working on for years, but it wasn't until that moment where I, w I knew what the meditative state was that I was kind of like, oh, okay, this is a big deal. This can help. So so I'm sorry to kind of derail this, but talk talk for a minute about the importance of meditation in terms of being in mindful state. Yeah, yeah, sure. It's funny, George, you know, I have people say to me, I can't meditate. I've got way too busy a brain, you know, my mind's way too busy. I'm like, Welcome to being human. We've all got busy minds. The thoughts don't stop, right? They're incessant. They, they're bubbling along. Even, your, even the thoughts that are appearing in your mind can be an object of your observation. So you can even simply observe the thoughts the same way you can observe your breath or you can observe you know, any sensations that you can feel. So anything that anything you can notice in your conscious awareness can be an object of your observation. And that's mindfulness, simply noticing what you can notice. I think, you know, you were talking about that state where you forget yourself, you know, you've kind of, you might hear people say, I was lost in the moment, you know, like they might've been, you know, at a, at a rock concert and, the, and they got caught up in the euphoria of, of being on that dance floor with their favorite band playing. And they said, I, I was lost in the moment. Or playing sport when you're in the zone, you know, and you just you're not even aware of self. You're just completely in the flow. This this being lost in the moment, you're not actually lost. The only thing you've lost is your ego for a sec, right? You've lost your sense of identity. You're not identifying as the 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 separate individual from the surroundings. So really, actually, what you are experiencing is the truth of the matter, which is that you are completely connected to everything around you. <laughs> We're actually not separate. But yeah. our ego would have us believe that we are separate. We experience the life as, you know, we experience this life as I'm in the center of my universe. Um, you know, everything's outside of me, even to the point of my body. You know, I look at my hand and go, that's my hand, like I'm separate from it. Right. Wow, that's interesting that you have that idea. Um, so when you are observing things without being identified with them, you're, you're kind of stepping outside of ego. 
you know, which is a spiritual experience for me anyway. It's a spiritual experience. And, you know, it's it's a practice. It's not easy. People say, I can't meditate. And like every time you notice that you're lost in thought and then you come back to just to the practice of, of, of observing. How is it? That's that's the bicep curl. Yeah. Right. That's that's the workout. So you you're noticing what you can notice. And then within a few seconds, you're distracted and carried away with your thoughts again. And you go, oh, that's right. I'm meditating. And you come back to noticing again. That moment where you realized you were distracted is the workout, you know, yeah. and, and we do get better at it. Yeah. And and, and for, for anybody out there that's really wondering, I mean, there's so many ways to get into that state um, where, where you're you're thoughtful and, and you can kind of um, focus on on that one thing, right? You mentioned sports. I, it's not something I ever I ever even thought of, but yeah, as as a guy that's obsessed with sports and and loves playing, I do love when you hit that zone and you're kind of like just narrow focus, and you can I can kind of compare it even to work when I'm, I'm getting something done I'm doing a project and I just kind of get in that zone I got to get the thing done and you're you're just narrowly focused and you can block things out um, for me uh, you know working with with Scotch Marin um, achieving meditation through hypnosis and really just the first time just so I can understand it and now I can get into it if I need um, I'm that guy that needs instructions, right? Like if I don't understand something, just give me the steps. I'm going to do them step by step. And for with him, it was kind of like, okay, you must be, you know, sit down in a chair. Do not lay down in bed. Make sure your feet are hanging off, not driving or anything. And, you know, the, the, the breathing and focus on your feet and it's moving through your legs. And it was all of a sudden I remember uh, when we had done it, <laughs> my wife and I um, had had a day and we both listened together. And um, I remember her tapping me on the shoulder. It was like a 22-minute exercise. She tapped me on the shoulder, and I was like, was I sleeping? And she goes, I mean, I don't think you were, but you weren't here, you know? And, yeah. and I yeah. go, well, the last thing I remember hearing is X, Y, Z. And I go, what happened after that? And she goes, oh, my God, she couldn't remember either. Like, so she had gone into <laughs> it. And, and yeah. I remember the next day getting ready for work, you know, showering. I listened to it while I was showering so that I could hear what was said. And I go, I remember all of this, but I wasn't here. So it was, it was just, it's just a weird kind of thing, but uh, people should try it because it, it is transformative big time. Um, all right. Uh, uh, I want to talk for a minute about your TEDx talk, uh, how conscious communication can change your game. Now this is super interesting because we just touched on this right before the interview, but uh, Gemini have both spoken at the same <laughs> the same TEDx, and this was totally by mistake. We just realized this uh, uh, right before we got on the interview here. TEDx Derry Londonderry with uh, Gary Doherty, uh, my man, who's been actually on this podcast before. Um, great talk. I, I actually watched it this morning as I was uh, feeding my my nineteen my nineteen month old daughter. Um, great, great talk, and and super super interesting story. Um, what was the impetus to you know, doing a TEDx talk for you. Um, yeah. And look, how funny is that? Of all the TEDx studios in the world. Right? And when I went to check <laughs> you out before coming on here, I'm like, no, get out TEDx, Derry, London, Derry. What are you doing? Like, <laughs> what, are, what are the odds of that? You know? Um, and yeah, shout out to Gary. And by the way, um, you're based in Australia, right? 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's in based in Australia. I'm based in New York, and we both did a TEDx talk in Northern Ireland. <laughs> like, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Amazing. Crazy. People go to me. How did? How on earth did you end up doing a TEDx talk in Northern Ireland? You know. Um, so it was the the publisher of my book knows Gary and and his wife, uh, and you know part of the deal of me using her as a publisher was that she'd get me a TEDx talk. So it ended up being with with them, and you know, if it wasn't for the restrictions of the pandemic, I would have flown over there and Same. Um, used the excuse to go and meet them and do it over there. Uh, but we were we've been locked down here, especially in Victoria, in Australia, the state where I'm in. We've been locked down, you know, more restrictively and longer than anyone else in the world, I think. <laughs> and so, um, so I did it in lockdown. But I, I wanted to um, do it properly, you know, and I wanted to honor the brand, the TED brand, and. You know, I wanted I wanted it to look as professional as possible, so I invested and, you know, got a sign writer to make the sign properly and hired a like I was saying to you off air, you know, hired a theater and a, and a film crew and did it as professionally as we could to make it's it great look job. like we're in a theater. Yeah, yep, yeah. Um, it, it's a great talk. Well, we're gonna put the link in the show notes uh, for that guys, as well as the link for Jem's uh, book. Uh, the art of consciousness, communi- uh, conscious communication for thoughtful men. Um, his website, you know, hire Gem as a speaker, coach, whatever. We'll put it. We'll put it all in the show notes. So um, let's move on to the big three. The big three from the launch cast. The big three. Uh, we do a shortened version for the launch cast profiles here. So I'm going to do two questions here. Uh, give me your top three quick, concise answers for each. Ready, Gem? Okay, let's All go. Right. Three traits of a thoughtful man. The ability to pause. The ability to be honest about his emotions. And the ability to lean in and seek to understand. Three favorite places you have ever traveled in the world. Believe it or not, North Pakistan. The mountains up there are stunning and the people are beautiful. Um, Indonesia and southern France. Jem Fuller, ladies and gentlemen. Jem, thank you so much for being here. Incredible stuff today. We're going to, like I said, we'll put all the stuff in the show notes. You're going to be live uh, a week from today, April 11th, 6 a.m., Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all the usual places. Uh, I'm going to put you back in the green room for two minutes while I wrap up, and then we'll we'll chat it up as we, we leave. All right. Thank you so much, Jim, for joining us today. Awesome, George. Thank you so much. Got it. All right, guys, another one, another one. I'm loving these LaunchCast leadership profiles. This is a, a great little format here, and we're going to continue this throughout the rest of Season 3 and hopefully beyond. Um, like I said before, check us out every single Monday. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, uh, all the usual places, 6 a.m. every single Monday. And remember to check out all of the great podcasts that come to you from Launchpad 516 Studios and some really, really interesting ones coming up soon. Guys, see you later. Launch sequence terminated. Into the black hole. The LaunchCast is brought to you by Launchpad 516 Studios, produced by Fabrizio Fugazi and executive produced by George Andriopoulos. 
Marketing and PR by Media Convergence. Theme song by Tommy Lungberg. Music and sound effects are licensed through Epidemic Sound. The LaunchCast is hosted with Podbean. Make sure to subscribe to this feed wherever podcasts are available and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts while you're at it, guys. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Pandora, TuneIn, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and everywhere else that podcasts are available. Follow me, George Andriopoulos, the host at Launchpad CEO on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or follow the show at The Launchcast Show on Facebook and Instagram, or at Launchcast Show on Twitter. Visit our website, thelaunchcast.com, and make sure to follow all the great podcasts produced by Launchpad 516 Studios. We'll see you next time, guys. Tonight.